This is Dr. Nick Tiller, and you're listening to the Skeptic's Guide to Sports Science podcast. What follows is an audio recording of my column published in Skeptical Inquirer, the magazine for science and reason. For more information, visit www.skepticalinquirer.org. As with all articles in the series, a link to the original piece with its full list of references can be found in the show notes. Episode 24, My Healthy But Waning Skepticism of Weight Loss Drugs. Keep an open mind, but not so open that your brains fall out. Richard P. Feynman. The Gila monster is North America's only venomous lizard. The reptile can grow to 22 inches and has a vicious bite that's as toxic as that of the western diamondback rattlesnake. While studying the lizard's venom in the 1990s, Dr. John Eng, an endocrinologist at the Veterans Administration Center in New York, discovered a compound with a similar molecular structure to a protein called GLP-1, which regulates blood glucose in humans. But while GLP-1 had a half-life of just a few minutes, the lizard protein, which Dr. Eng later called Exendin-4, had a half-life of several hours. Seeing its potential to treat metabolic disease, Eng began experimenting with Exendin-4 and later licensed his discovery to Amelin Pharmaceuticals of San Diego. After a decade of research, Exenatide was approved by the FDA as the world's first GLP-1 receptor agonist. It forever changed the management of type 2 diabetes and may prove to be our most powerful weapon in the ongoing war on obesity. Shifting Sands The distinguishing feature of exenatide, relative to its pharmacological predecessors, was its broad application. At the time of its approval, the most common diabetes drugs were metformin and insulin. Both prevent sharp increases in blood sugar, but while metformin reduces absorption of glucose in the small intestine, insulin removes glucose once it's entered the blood. GLP-1 receptor agonists act wherever there are relevant receptors, in the pancreas, stomach, brain, kidneys, and blood vessels. In the pancreas, GLP-1 stimulates the release of insulin and upregulates actions of the beta cells that produce it. In the stomach, GLP-1 suppresses gastric acid secretion, slows digestion, and prolongs feelings of fullness. And in the brain, the protein acts on the hypothalamus to suppress hunger. These multiple actions are complementary. Type 2 diabetes is generally, though not exclusively, caused by poor lifestyle and excess body fat, especially that around the midsection. This central adiposity, which is more common in men than women, infiltrates deeper into the abdomen, inhibits functions of the internal organs, and increases susceptibility to cardiometabolic disease. And so, GRP1 receptor agonists improve blood glucose control directly by promoting insulin secretion and indirectly by facilitating weight loss. It's this latter effect that's subject to abuse, hence why it's garnered the most media attention. GLP1 agonists have evolved considerably in the last two decades. Exenatide in 2005 
and liraglutide in 2014 are both short-acting drugs. With half-lives of around 5 to 10 hours, they required daily injections. Semaglutide, by contrast, was approved in 2017 as the first long-acting GLP-1 agonist. It has a half-life of 5 to 7 days and requires a once-weekly injection. Because it exerts its effects around the clock, it's just as good or better than insulin at regulating blood sugar, and in clinical trials evokes more potent weight loss than either of its short-acting counterparts. Semaglutide is to exenatide what the iPhone was to the BlackBerry. Hence, it was being prescribed off-label for weight loss as the diabetic drug Ozempic long before it was FDA-approved as Wegovy for obesity. The ability of GLP-1 agonists to diminish appetite has made them popular with celebrities and social media fitness influencers. In his opening monologue at the 95th Academy Awards, Jimmy Kimmel poked fun at the assembled guests. You look great. Everybody looks so great. When I look around this room, I can't help but wonder, is Ozempic right for me? As is the aim for most comics, Kimmel succeeded in simultaneously getting a laugh and striking a nerve. Personalities including Elon Musk, Charles Barkley and Amy Schumer have openly discussed their use of semaglutide for weight loss, but many others use the drug less transparently, the drug's cost of $1,500 per month clearly no deterrent. Alongside the celebrity endorsements are hundreds of thousands of social media posts, primarily on TikTok and Instagram, featuring the Ozempic hashtag next to images of dramatic weight loss. The drug's manufacturer, Novo Nordisk, has said it may be unable to meet demand for Ozempic through September 2023. This could be immensely problematic for people with type 2 diabetes who have come to depend on the medication. So, if GLP-1 agonists are to have a net positive impact on population health, the commercial hype must be met with robust regulation so that supply meets demand for those who need it most. Should you take it to lose weight? It isn't hyperbole to describe Ozempic and Wegovy as game changers. Over the past decade, GLP-1 agonists have emerged as a viable quick fix to one of the most complex public health problems of recent times. People are losing weight on the drug, and weekly injections are preferable to invasive and risky weight loss surgeries that have become increasingly prevalent. And yet, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Users will almost certainly have to contend with side effects including nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, constipation and diarrhea. Clinical trials reveal the possibility of pancreatitis, which is inflammation of the pancreas, and gallstones. And while none of the human trials have flagged serious adverse events, depending on your definition, rodent studies show increased risk of thyroid cancer. For these reasons, Wegovy is only available on prescription for people clinically obese, that is, with a BMI more than 30, and for people with BMI more than 27 and additional risk factors for cardiometabolic disease. So for people whose health doesn't depend on body weight reductions, the potential side effects may be difficult to justify. 
There's also concern about the unknown risks of longer-term use, say over 5 to 10 years, and apprehension fueled by the FDA's calamitous history of prematurely approving anti-obesity drugs. The earliest pre-FDA attempts at the pharmacologic management of obesity targeted the thyroid gland. These treatments, which included crude preparations of animal thyroid extract, were moderately effective but led to cardiac arrhythmias and hyperthyroidism. In the 1930s, the FDA approved the widespread distribution of amphetamines. By upregulating the sympathetic nervous system and increasing calorie expenditure, these powerful stimulants aided weight loss, but the effects were marred by reports of addiction, hypertension and heart complications. But perhaps the greatest catastrophe, at least from a public health and a public relations perspective, came when the FDA approved fentamine in 1959 and fenfluramine in 1973. These amphetamine derivatives were later combined into a drugs cocktail, which by the mid-1990s had been prescribed more than 18 million times. So-called fenfen also evoked modest weight loss, but caused the deaths of hundreds of people, with exact numbers still unknown. It also considerably increased the risk of pulmonary hypertension, and around 20% of those who took fenfen needed surgery to repair damaged heart valves. Fenfluramine and its isomer dexfenfluramine, known commercially as Redux, were withdrawn from the market in September 1997. Almost immediately, the FDA approved sibutramine, a serotonin reuptake inhibitor that suppressed appetite. It was sold for over a decade before also being withdrawn due to an increased risk of myocardial infarction and stroke, risks that simply weren't justified by the modest effects on body weight. Consequently, the historical precedent has left many health and exercise professionals somewhat jaded. They now greet the latest weight loss drugs with folded arms. Is the opposition nearsighted? While such reluctance is understandable, it would be a mistake to allow the FDA's disastrous history of weight loss drugs to make us cynical rather than sceptical. You see, cynicism skews our perspective through a lens of inherent distrust. But these are the very intuitions that sceptics and critical thinkers work tirelessly to mitigate. It's important that we remain amenable to new ideas while exercising the appropriate caution. Others are completely oblivious to the FDA's historical handling of obesity drugs and yet are stubbornly opposed to new approvals. That's because... For all their efficacy in suppressing appetite and slowing gastric emptying, GLP-1 agonists don't show people how to eat in a healthy, sustainable way, nor do they inspire people to increase their activity levels. Indeed, when people stop taking semaglutide, they regain most of the weight that they lost. However, does it really matter how obese individuals reduce their calorie intake? Is suppressing appetite pharmacologically really such a bad thing? Is opposition nearsighted? Consider that health professionals have been plying their trades for over a century, and their recommendations regarding healthy eating for weight loss have fallen on the deafest ears. Obesity rates have been steadily climbing since the 1970s and have increased exponentially since 2019, perhaps the result of the COVID 19 pandemic. What's more, 
the decisive, widespread and immediate policy changes needed to incentivize healthy eating and physical activity are just not forthcoming. Insisting on purely natural weight loss interventions from a population incapable of making them is to deny a potentially effective treatment on ideological grounds. In which case, while we continue chasing the wind, 3 million people will continue to die each year from obesity and related diseases. Black and white thinking leaves little room for the grey in between, and it doesn't put the patient's best interests at the forefront. Science opposes dogma and embraces nuance. Weight loss drugs may not be the optimum response, but they are a response. I do agree that, if prescribed, weight loss drugs must be prescribed alongside dietary and lifestyle interventions, so that patients eat better and not just less. Comedian Tracy Morgan got Ozempic because it cuts his appetite in half. Are you really on Ozempic? Yeah. Oh, okay. You look look great. Every Thursday. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Trace. All right. Cuts my appetite in half. Wow. Well, you look good, Trace. Only eat half a bag of Doritos. (laughs) Healthy eating and physical activity are crucial for us to avoid an Ozempic using populace that'll probably lose weight, but that may remain sedentary and chronically undernourished. Here we have a unique opportunity to embrace GLP-1 agonists, not as shortcuts or quick fixes, but as a means of creating the conditions that allow overweight people to succeed in making lifestyle changes where they have previously failed. The future of weight loss? As the debate about GLP-1 agonists rages on in the colossal shadow of the caveats and concerns, Scientific research continues its relentless pursuit of innovation. In clinical trials of tazepatide, a dual-acting GLP-1 and GIP agonist currently prescribed for type 2 diabetes, obese patients lost 21% body mass in just 1.4 years, surpassing the 15% reduction seen with the semaglutide. Tazepatide will likely be FDA-approved for the new indication before year's end. There are also ongoing trials exploring the role of GLP-1 agonists in addiction. There are anecdotal reports from patients that Ozempic and Wigovi have curbed their non-food-related cravings, including alcohol, cigarettes, and vaping. In fact, rodent studies have shown that GLP-1 might down-regulate dopamine transmission and potentially blunt reward-seeking behavior. If these additional indications are observed in human trials, there may be no stopping the GLP-1 hype train. The new wave of anti-obesity medications have been hailed as miracle drugs. They're not. That would suggest a mechanism that disobeys the laws of nature. GLP-1 agonists aren't the work of a divine agency, but rather human ingenuity, foresight, and decades of incremental scientific advances. And so, in the ongoing war on obesity one of public health's greatest modern threats, GLP-1 agonists aren't weapons that should be wielded thoughtlessly, but it would be foolish not to consider them a valuable part of the arsenal. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this article, check out my book, The Skeptic's Guide to Sports Science, Confronting Myths of the Health and Fitness Industry, published by Taylor and Francis. For more information on this and my other work, visit www.nbtiller.com.